Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Is that private party? The revolution is televised. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 128 and it's another grab bag of AEW themes sponsored by HelloFresh. And today I am joined by a first-time guest here on the show. He is one of the hosts of the Grapsity podcast as well as the new Day After Dynamite podcast both of which are part of Fightful. It's Will Washington. Hello, Will. Hello. Man, I've been wanting to do this for a while because uh, you've, you've had some of my old friends on the show, but uh, but I've never gotten to do this, so I'm excited. Yeah, I'm glad you're here too, definitely. Um, actually, I, w- I was thinking about this. Uh, I think besides Joe Gagne, you are the most experienced podcaster I've had on the show yet because uh, you started your previous show, RBR, in like, uh, what, 05, right? Oh five, yeah. I started it June eighteenth, two thousand five. That that's amazing. Yeah, I mean it's it's funny. I just celebrated the fifth anniversary of this show, and it's like you know, oh my god, you know, five years doing a podcast. What a milestone that is. Meanwhile, you started when TNA was like three years old, and it's going to be twenty this year. Like that that, that oh, is incredible. Oh yeah, are you kidding me? There are episodes in existence of me getting excited about TNA launching on Spike TV. And just the fact that that stuff exists. Yeah, you know, I I remember I met my wife. And uh, when we first met, I'm like, yeah, I do podcasts. I've been doing it like four years. She's like, wow, that's a really long time. And, you know, now we've been together for 13 years. (laughs) And uh, that is just an absurd. uh, That was an absurdly long part of my life. Uh, But, yeah, now I'm. Uh, doing Grapsity every week, every Saturday. And yeah, I just started Day After Dynamite literally the day before uh, we recorded this. Yeah, I, I commend you for sticking with it after all these years because it, it can be a grind, no doubt about it. You know, doing a show every mm-hmm. week or or in my case, every two weeks, it can grind on you. But um, you're still doing it and 
Now you got two shows at once there, so you know to still have that that drive is uh, is pretty cool there, Will. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually I enjoy podcasting. I, I oddly enough do. Uh, I think the bigger change for me was that I actually wanted to space out what I was podcasting about because RBR was doing one show a week about a bunch of topics, and I thought, what if I did multiple shows a week about individual topics? <laughs> and uh and i thought i don't know i just feel like i i am better spaced out and i'm not just trying to cram a bunch of stuff in one show and i'm enjoying what i'm doing now a lot oh yeah definitely definitely um well since it's your first time on the show here will i'll ask you this uh how did you become a wrestling fan in the first place uh born into it to be honest uh my my dad my brothers all wrestling fans i didn't know that it like wasn't a normal thing until <laughs> I was like in school and I was just like bringing up, hey, did you see the Randy Savage match last night? And they're like, who? And I realized, oh, this. And I came home and I'm like, did you know that there are people who don't watch wrestling? And uh, my dad looks at me like, yeah, that's most people. And then that's when I realized that it actually wasn't normal. But yeah, I, I, I was born into this. I've been watching it my whole life. I don't know a life without it. And I've been obsessive forever. <laughs> yeah, family is probably the number one answer I get when I ask that question to people, uh, for sure. Um, now, this might be the most redundant question ever, uh, given what we're going to talk about soon here. But uh, has music played a big part in your fandom there, Will? Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, it, it has been um, for a number of reasons. Uh, I actually like really love I mean, so here's the thing. I, I actually come from a family of musically inclined people, and I come from a family of uh, entertainers. My brother's an actor. Uh, my other brother is a musician. Um, and so music is is really important. My mom actually uh, once sang on, what was the show that um, Ed McMahon used to host? Was it Star, Star Search? Search. Star yeah, Search. Star my Search. mom was on my mom was on Star Search back in the day. And I think it's the first time I've ever said that on a podcast. But uh, so it, it's been music my whole life. Uh, and uh, and then I, I, I make music as well. And wrestling music for me is just something that I kind of have a weird obsession with. Um, like last night, my, my wife was like, all right, come to bed. And I said, I'll be in bed in about 10 minutes. And then 40 minutes went by. And I just lost track of time. And she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm going to be honest. I was just like listening to old 90s wrestling music. And <laughs> it's just like, because like I went on this weird, I go down rabbit holes, right? I was just like, I want to hear Bret Hart's 20 or his original, not the original. I listened to his 94 theme. And then uh, I was like, now I want to hear the original. And I was like, and then they had that like really bad version that Jim Johnston did back in 2010. And I went and listened to that. And then I just went down this rabbit hole and realized 40 minutes had gone by <laughs> when I originally said I'll be in bed in 10 minutes. And this is the kind of stuff I do. Mm -hmm. Honey, come to bed. Yeah, I'll, I'll be right there, sweetheart. <laughs> Repo man. That's me. That's my life. And I, I, I don't know why I do this, but. Uh, I I love wrestling themes. Um, I think there's such an art to theme music and wrestling theme music, and uh, and how I mean it really does control the identity of the pro wrestler. And like we we just watched at the Royal Rumble how how much a non-identifiable theme can affect 
pro wrestlers, right? Because uh, so many guys today in WWE, and it's not, I don't mean to knock Def Rebel. I, I, I don't know anything about Def Rebel, but uh, I will say that all of those themes that Def Rebel has been producing haven't exactly been identifiable. And as a result, uh, and I was at the Rumble, barely anybody's theme music was recognizable in any way, shape, and form. It was like, a theme would hit and people would look at each other like, who is this? And they see Austin theory and a couple of people still went, Oh, I don't know who that is. And then <laughs> I, I feel like theme music like makes all the difference for people. Yeah. That was a common complaint I saw on Twitter where it's, you know, throughout the night with, with both rumbles, it's like, you know, the, the timer hits and the music hits and it's like, whose song is this? It's, it's so generic. I can't tell who it is. So yeah, it, we're a long ways away from, you know, the days of Jim Johnston and, and CFOs. I mean, you know, say what you will about CFOs and their loops, but it's like, at least those loops were like, you know, unique and, you know, stood out in a way at least. So, yeah. Um, now, I, I brought up the, the redundant part of that question because, uh, like you said, you make wrestling music. You're not yes. just a guy who loves wrestling music. You make it too, uh, which I think is pretty cool, um, including a theme we'll talk about later on on this episode here too, but... Uh, but also, you're involved in a new project for Black History Month. Uh, it's an AEW hip-hop album coming out on February 18th. It's called Who We Are, A Celebration of Excellence, Volume 1. Uh, it's overseen by Mikey Ruckus, of course. He's the main guy. But, uh, well, you're part of it, too, along with many other rappers and producers there. So, do you want to explain to people what the concept of the album is? Yeah, so basically, um, the album is a collection of... Um wrestlers and uh wrestling adjacent musically inclined people um and so as somebody who produces music i actually have really no vocal talent at all uh, the most i can <laughs> lay down is like a sample of my own voice I, I tend to lay down on my instrumentals but other than that uh like if i need a voice sample and i just like i'll just say it into my microphone really quick and then distort it um but other than that i have really no vocal talents at all i don't rap uh and i guess i can't but i can't write my own um and uh, i don't sing right so uh but i can lay down instrumentals and the uh, album is a collection of um of producers rappers singers all of that kind of putting together a um uh music to tell the stories of uh the black talent in aew we were approached a few months ago um it was back in, I want to say like late November, we were all approached to to do this project. And, uh, you know, Mikey Ruckus, uh, that that man is so, so talented uh, at what he does. And he just had this amazing idea. Uh, and he had approached us really before he even got the green light from AEW to do it. He was really just a, hey, I've got this idea. If you're in, I would like to then take this to higher ups. And uh and we got the idea, uh, we got it greenlit once we all kind of agreed to do it. And yeah, uh, we, I produced two songs on it. Um, and I did uh, a song for Red Velvet called uh, In the Mix. And then I did a song for uh, Powerhouse Hobbs called Powerhouse. Original title there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, and... Uh, the Red Velvet track uh, in the mix, um, the vocals on that song are done by uh, Josiah Williams of Wrestle and Flow fame and uh, also Equipped and Cut Right uh, did the vocals on that track. And then over on the Powerhouse Hobbs track, it is my partner in crime from Grapsity, 
uh, Righteous Reg, who does the first verse on the song and the second verse is done by Graham of the Public Enemies podcast. And uh, yeah, it, it's I, I had a lot of fun working on it um, and kind of just getting to come up with a sound that was uh, represent uh, representative of those wrestlers uh, specifically. You know, I, I got to get exactly what they were both looking for because i wanted something that's the thing about wrestling music to me is i always want theme songs to sound like something that that wrestler would listen to and so part of that was you know getting music specifically from uh so getting ideas specifically from red velvet you know what do you listen to and uh some of the ideas she gave me were um you know she likes doja cat a lot uh and she likes a lot of reggaeton and so I thought, okay, that's that's a challenge because that's not like anything I've ever made before, but I want to do it. So I did. And that's probably the song I'm most proud of. Um, and I'm really excited about the fact that uh, that is the first song people are going to hear on the album. It's track two right after the introduction by Bootsy Collins. Bootsy Collins does the introduction on the album, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and... Uh, but yeah, right after the introduction, it goes straight into my Red Velvet track. So no pressure, I guess. Uh, and then, yeah, my, my Will Hobbs song, same deal of, you know, he wanted something that was kind of more up my, uh, more in my wheelhouse. He had wanted uh, a sound that was more um, Bay Area type. And my immediate thought was, like, first off, Bay Area hip hop music is all I listened to in high school. And so I got like excited because I was almost like, I could probably just dig something out that I like produced in high school and nobody would ever know. <laughs> and then I thought, no, do something original. Uh, so I did. But uh, what was kind of cool was the the sound that, like I said, that was the easiest for me because it was a sound I knew. I kind of knew exactly what he was going for. Uh, I loved guys like Yuck Mouth and Mac Dre. Uh, and like the whole um, Frisco Street Show scene, uh, JT the Big Figure, like all those guys, um, those were all of the Bay Area rappers I was into. And so when Powerhouse Hobbs said that's what he wants, I thought, I got gotcha. you. We don't have to say another word. We we got this. And so yeah, I got to kind of do two different types of sound, uh, but I think they both turned out amazingly, and I can't wait for everybody to hear them. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, that idea of collaborating with the wrestlers and what they want, that's a big part of AEW music in general. You know, Mikey says all the time that he loves to collaborate with the wrestlers on their themes. Um, and as well, I mean, shit, Bootsy Collins involved. Like, that alone is super cool, man. That that guy's a legend. Yeah. But, but what I love especially, though, is that I look at the list of people involved on the album and, you know, I... I am by no means a rap aficionado. That is very well known at this point, but the names I recognize are all because they're massive wrestling fans. You, Righteous Reg, mm -hmm. Rich Lotta, Montezzi, Mega Ran, John Connor, Rated R, Russell and Flow. They're all wrestling fans. I know that. And to me, you know, not just using any old rappers or producers, but actual wrestling fans to help make this album and tell these wrestlers stories, that really shows just how much passion and care has gone into this thing well that's a, a super nice touch yeah I, I i was actually really pleased with the idea as a whole and the fact that um nobody is coming at this from having to really like learn anything um 
because you know when when wrestlers and and rappers have, have collaborated in the past you could kind of tell that uh they just kind of had things explained to them or were kind of working off a sh- list of notes and i think what i like here is that everybody here was aware everybody uh involved as a wrestling fan and kind of knew how to come at this and and is coming at it from a place of uh kind of already understanding so i i was i was a big fan of the idea as a whole and i was really excited to jump in uh and and just getting to work on it and i've heard i've heard of i haven't heard all of it actually so a lot of it is going to be new to me when uh the album releases like i've heard jade cargill's uh song because uh righteous reg is also on that and also i'm really close with montezzi uh so i have heard that one already uh but beyond that i haven't gotten to hear a whole lot else and i'm excited to yeah and uh it's called volume one so i mean Presumably, knock on wood, there's going to be a volume two someday, perhaps. I don't know. Uh, um, I mean, I mean the, given we, we've talked about that, I can't say much else, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, just you know, given how much of a workhorse Mikey Ruckus is, it would be no big shock if there's volume two. I mean, you talk about passion. That guy just freaking loves making wrestling music so much of some kind. You know, whether it's this, the eight bit album he did, uh, the symphony album he's working on, the video game music, all the wrestler themes. Like the guy is just constantly working on something and and that passion I think has been such a, a major boon for AEW since the beginning so um, I know there's nothing concrete to say about it right now of course but yeah it, it would not shock me at all if there's more projects like this in the future there will yeah uh, well you know the thing about Mikey Ruckus because like he got kind of a bad rap when AEW first launched and a lot of people don't realize why that was um, which was you know the, kind of the same thing people say about uh, Def Rebel now right and that they felt like um there wasn't a whole lot of identity to the early AEW themes and i think a piece of that people miss is that he had to make all of those in like a weekend it was like (laughs) uh hey we've got double or nothing coming up we need you to write a theme for all of these wrestlers for this one show and so but as AEW has grown as a brand and as the wrestlers have developed their identities, you know, he's gone back and he's tweaked some of the themes. He's talked about the fact that like Nyla Rose is the first theme he ever wrote for AEW and he wrote it for her match at Double or Nothing, uh, the, the Fatal 4-Way. And then uh, he ended up doing the, uh, he ended up enhancing it as time went on and now there's lyrics to it and everything along those lines. And uh, I, like I said, I just feel like I, I think he is the best. And that's not just because I know him. I, I actually genuinely think that he does really great work with these themes. And he's really worked hard at making sure all of these themes have their own identity now in a way that they didn't in the beginning. And I, like I said, I don't fault him for the way they sounded in the beginning. I didn't think they sounded bad, but I understand why people saw it that way coming out of double or nothing weekend and how it took time to eventually get there i mean myself i had that critique where during the first few months of the company the most exciting and i think noteworthy themes were the outside themes you know cody kenny uh, hangman darby allen the bucks jericho of course and the in-house stuff from mikey it, it wasn't bad but it just wasn't on the same level as that outside stuff. But I think since then, he has just acclimated himself so well. And his themes have just grown by leaps and bounds to the point where he's made, really, I think, some of the best themes in wrestling, you know, period. And, you know, we'll get to some of them on this episode here today. So, yeah, I agree. He has just stepped up his game tremendously uh, these past few years here, Will. Yeah, I agree. 
So, uh, yes, uh, the topic du jour, as we all know by now, is AEW. We're doing another grab bag of themes here, Volume 2. Volume 1 was with Steve Case, and uh, that was back in uh, December of 2020, so a little over a year ago at this point. And uh, it's a cliche, I know, but it's amazing just how much has changed in that time, you know, with... The return of touring and live crowds, uh, a new show, Rampage, of course, a new station for Dynamite on TBS, um, all the new signings on the roster. I mean, when that first grab back episode happened, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Christian Cage, Adam Cole, Malachi Black, Andrade, Red Dragon, Jay Lethal, Daniel Garcia, Jamie Hayter, Ruby Soho, Mercedes Martinez, none of those people were signed. And no, that's... Sting had only been around a month. And Sting, yeah, he, yeah. And, yeah, <laughs> and uh, like he just feels like an institution now. I tend to forget that there was a time in AEW without Sting. Yeah, Sting was like a few days in when that episode was recorded, I think. So yeah, um, and that's still just like only some of the people they signed too. It's crazy just to look at how the company you know, looks now compared to a year ago or, or just like six months ago even or whatever. It's been... Uh, it's been quite dynamic, uh, no pun intended there, in a lot of ways there, Will, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, it has been. Yeah, I mean, I mean, looking back, you know, a lot's happened, and, and it's not all been good either, obviously. There's been plenty of bad shows and bad matches and angles and gimmicks and, and whatnot, and they certainly have their bag of tropes with, you know, with finishes and not letting things breathe, and, and that can get very annoying when they overdo them, I think, for sure. So there, there's been cracks in the road. Don't get me wrong, it's not perfect at all, but at the same time, you know, you had CM Punk come back to wrestling, right? I mean, you had the Hangman Page story. You had Brian Danielson just having this insane run of matches. Uh, The Sting and Darby tags, which have been so much fun. The Brit Rosa Lights Out match. Uh, The Grand Slam show at Arthur Ashe, uh, All Out, which I went to, and I mean, that cage match alone, my God. Uh, Hook! Hook! Hook for crying out loud, like... (laughs) AEW has just given us so many great matches and moments and shows. It's like, you know, even with the annoying stuff, it's so hard to picture what what wrestling and, and American wrestling in particular, what that would look like without AEW, Will. Yeah, yeah I, I'm 100% with that. Like, you know, mostly, uh, and it's kind of crazy as somebody who's been covering wrestling for the last uh, 17 years that... I've kind of reduced my wrestling coverage to just covering AEW. Um, and a big part of the reason I do that now is because of the fact that I feel like it helps me look at the show objectively. Because if I were somebody who had to cover all, the, as I was, I was covering all aspects of pro wrestling, no matter what, AEW just looked like the best invincible show, right? And so it was like really difficult for me over time to. Uh, because yeah, like AEW has its annoyances and I want, I, I want to be able to point those out and point those things out. And I feel like now I can, uh, but yeah, it's, it has still been just, I think 2021 is one of those years that's going to be looked back on really fondly. Um, just in the sense of the excitement around the return of crowds and yeah, how much stuff like really happened, like how much of a monumental show all out really was how much of a big payoff full gear was uh, and even double or nothing, double or nothing being the show with the return of crowds, double or nothing didn't even really have a major debut. You know, we had Leo rush come in in the uh, casino battle Royale, but other than that, there wasn't really like a big drop 
uh, into the show, like a really big game changer in the show the way the others had. But it still was just a moment where like the crowd was back and there was just so much excitement in the air. And I think just looking back at last year, it's going to be one of those years that's remembered very fondly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that show being uh, pretty cathartic in a lot of ways with, you know, the full crowd coming back and them just going nuts and, and the touring resumed soon after that. So, yeah, very cathartic and very vital a show all around, I'd say. Um, and vital is a good word for AEW in general, really. You know, it's been, at least for me, it's been very vital for my fandom uh, these past few years, um, keeping that thing going, uh, especially given the state of WWE, which, you know, it's pretty horrible, I think. I mean, uh, it's pretty bad. I, I did watch the Rumble the other night, and um, I know you said you were there live, of course, there, Will, but uh, man, that was just a real stinker of a show. <laughs> that that just laid out all of the problems of the company bear, really, from the bad booking to the lack of stars to the music, which we mentioned. So, yeah, if there wasn't an AEW that could be a serious major player in American wrestling and provide something else on a big scale, you know, things would be quite dire, really. Um, even though, again, it does have its flaws, no doubt, but it's still a godsend to have, Will. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, I I, I don't like to just harp on WWE all the time, but I will say, uh, especially because I was invited to that Rumble. So, um, But that said, I've been to, I've probably traveled to like 50-something shows at this point. I, I have an official list somewhere. That kind of is up there as one of the worst I've ever been to. Uh, if not, at least it was the worst major event I've attended. Like, I've been to multiple Rumbles now. I've been to multiple WrestleManias. That was like a really bad Royal Rumble. And I, I can't think of a worse one I've attended. Mm -hmm. I mean, when the mania sign lights on fire twice, that's a bad <laughs> omen, okay? That's that's a bad <laughs> omen right there for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was happening, like, because I was on that side. I wasn't, uh, I was in the section right behind it. So we were at the section that had to be evacuated. But I could see it. I, I could absolutely see everything that was going on with that sign. And it was quite a spectacle. More so than the show, as you could see with the crowd not paying much <laughs> attention to it. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get to these themes here. And uh, we have 10 songs on the docket for today. And uh, it's funny, I, I brought this up on the year-end episode a few months ago, but man, there are just so many themes in this company we could have talked about. Like, the list here is great, don't get me wrong, it's a great list, but after I put it together, I was like, oh wait a minute, Pax theme. Oh wait, Orange Cassidy's theme. And Matt Seidel and Lee Moriarty and Chris Statlander and Anthony Gogo and Powerhouse Hobbs and like like even the Gun Club theme is awesome, you know. I but love it's that like, new Gun Club theme. It's like I have to pick ten and leave the rest out. So you know, which which to be honest, you know, having too many banger themes to choose from, that's a good problem to have there. Will I think? <laughs> yes, I think so as well. Definitely, yeah. So, uh, regardless, we'll start off here with the first theme, and it's for Adam Cole, baby, who debuted at All Out last year and has been uh, really one of the most over guys on the roster, easily. So, Cole's theme is by Mikey Ruckus. This is called All About the... parentheses... Boom. You know it's all about the boom!
when this song first hit at All Out, I knew from the first line it was an Adam Cole theme. Um, now, the large Adam Cole name on the video screen, that helped too, mind you, but <laughs> regardless, this whole thing just screams Adam Cole to me. Um, obviously, you can draw a parallel between this and the Undisputed Era theme. It has that same Rage Against the Machine sound, that same kind of cocky, slunky vibe to it. There is that connection to make. Um, now, Mikey Ruckus has said that even though he was not directly inspired by the Undisputed Era theme, he still kept that rage sound for Cole, because it works for him. Um, but actually, he does credit another Adam Cole theme, Something For You, from his ROH days. He took the drum beat from the verses in that song and used it in this one. Um, same with the vocal delivery as well. So this is definitely a, a clear successor theme to the ones that Cole had before, Will. Yeah, well, you know, Mikey's talked about how uh, he didn't necessarily draw inspiration from the uh, the Undisputed Era theme as much as uh, Adam Cole kind of gave the same recommendations to both CFOs and Mikey Ruckus because uh, Mike because uh, Adam Cole said that he really wanted a sound that was uh, reminiscent of Like a Bomb or Calm Like a Bomb by um, by Rage yeah. uh, Rage Against the Machine yeah. And so they both kind of draw inspiration from that song specifically. And then, yeah, uh, it's really during the verses that you can see, hear the inspiration uh, from something for you, his Ring of Honor theme. And it's, but I feel like uh, just having the lyrics in there and and all of the buildup. And then, you know, there, there's been two versions of it as well, um, in which uh, we heard the original version debut at um, All Out. And then when he faced Frankie Kazarian, he used that original version one more time. And I guess there was a general complaint that there's no like spot in the song for him to do his point and boom. And then uh, and then at Grand Slam, he came out with an altered version of it. And that's the version he uses now that actually has the the uh, additional spot in there that Mikey Ruck has added. And I feel like that just made it a complete theme. Um, you know, it, it gets fans going. It, fans sing along with it. And I love when fans sing along with songs, but I also love, but usually that happens. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that uh, with later songs here with songs that fans already knew. Um, you know, we hear it a lot with CM Punk's theme. We hear it a lot with, uh, with Ruby Soho's theme. We hear fans sing along with songs, but it's rare that it happens with an original theme. And I like that. This is a song that people have only really been hearing for five months. Right. But fans are into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mikey did a great job here in um, not just, you know, putting in the references to the boom and Adam Cole, baby, and all that, but making that edit, as you said, to allow for the boom thumb taunt to work. Because the Adam Cole entrance isn't just him, it's also the crowd. They're just as big a part of it as he is. Yes. So, you know, when you have an entire arena full of people doing the boom and Adam Cole, baby, and singing along that makes Cole look like a much bigger star. So, yeah, a fantastic job here putting in the references, but also making that edit to ensure the entrance was, you know, as synced up as possible to allow for those crowd moments, Will. Yeah, I agree. I'm a big fan of the theme song. And uh, especially considering the, you know, Adam Cole's previous theme um, didn't really hit in a way it, it feel like uh, that theme in particular felt like it kind of fell off uh 
like it, the, I guess the way I always described it was it feels like a thing that's like building up towards something epic and then it just never gets there. It feels like the buildup of a song and not necessarily a song itself. And uh, I felt like really disappointed in that theme and uh, props to Mikey for coming up with the theme for Adam Cole that just, like I said, it just feels like it hits. I love this scene. Mm-hmm. And it also uh, it went to number one on iTunes Metal, which uh, I think AEW has plugged on every show with that graphic <laughs> ever since then. But uh, but good for them. I mean, it's a rare feat for a wrestling theme to be number one on a music chart like that. And um, it's another sign, too, that this Adam Cole guy is pretty popular, I think. And he's going to be a, a major player in this company for years to come. That's for sure, Bill. He is going to be. And uh, yeah, I just... I, I don't have enough things to say about it. I think that uh, just the way the, the entire song is structured, I, I am a big fan. Theme number two, and this is for the AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Two guys who have been with AEW since the beginning, actually. Their theme is one that Jungle Boy first used on the indies. It's by Baltimore off the album Living in the Background. This is Tarzan Boy. do my best uh, Taz impression here. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Jones over here, but uh, <laughs> but seriously though, like when this song hits, my mood goes up right away. It's such a jaunty tune. It's so much fun to sing along to with the chorus, and and obviously Jungle Boy, Tarzan Boy. It's a perfect match in that sense, and it's a good match I think for the disposition as well because you have to be a certain type of good guy to pull off a fun, catchy pop theme like this. You have to be more on the, the likable, family-friendly side of things, and, and that's what this team is. You know, this is not Mox and Kingston. It's Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. So, yeah, a, a great song, a great fit for the team and their gimmicks and their overall disposition as well, Will. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, I In looking at your notes here, there was a couple of things to talk about with this theme, of course. Uh, but I guess to start with, uh, I, I am a big fan of, again, any song that brings in crowd involvement, um, which, you know, Judas is, is, I think, most known for. But the fact that, you know, from the moment this song hits, everybody gets on their feet, they wave their arms around. I had really high up seats at uh, All Out, so everybody waving their arms just looked like a bunch of worms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> squirming, it is the weirdest thing. But, uh, 
yeah you know everybody gets into to tarzan boy when it hits and i i i understand why um and yeah the, i i know that of course there's there's two versions in existence of this song of course and a lot of people aren't aware of that uh like i i've been at shows where people will not even notice that there's another version of the song that's used frequently but uh you know i i know why and i've been a victim of why because when i was at uh double or nothing i posted a video of all the fans singing along to jungle boys uh entrance and how over it was and i was just marking it like wow this is crazy how much this has caught on so fast uh with the fans and the day later my video gets uh a copyright uh i get my account suspended on youtube or twitter my twitter account gets suspended and uh i was flagged for posting this video of tarzan boy by baltimore now i'm sure AEW has all the licensing taken care of for this but regardless i also see how quickly it gets flagged if you post it so uh there's a second version of the song that exists that was actually a cover done by mikey ruckus and it is only used on dark and dark elevation and it, it I, I get it it's because sometimes when it comes to youtube youtube especially the aew music account got flagged by youtube once uh for aew's own songs <laughs> and so uh they had like a bunch of videos taken down off the aew music youtube account so we know how that can go and i know that when it comes to uploading shows like uh dark and dark elevation like you notice orange cassidy never comes out to his actual theme he always uses the best friends theme if he's wrestling on dark and dark elevation and in this case uh when it comes to jungle boy he comes out to the mikey ruckus cover i gave mikey ruckus uh, credit for this by the way i think it's a great cover i think aew could honestly just get away with playing this one all the time and uh I don't think anybody would really care or notice all that much because people a lot of times don't even notice it's not the real theme uh, on on the YouTube versions. I I think they could get away with it and barely anybody would care and they could avoid issues altogether just never using the original version of the song. Uh, but there are two versions in existence and crowds come to their feet for both. They just hear it open and they're like, yeah, Tarzan boy. Yeah, the Mikey version is more of a rocker, I think, and, and this yeah. one is more of a new wave uh, style, so um, there you go. Um, and I mean no disrespect to Mikey when I say this, but I do think it's also an improvement over the first Jurassic Express theme, uh, the Indiana Jones music, because it does make you take notice of them, they have this real song, but also you do get that extra crowd investment, too, with the sing-along and the arm-waving. Um, you brought up Double or Nothing, I remember watching that show, and when Jungle Boy won the Casino Battle Royale, that was a great moment. But what made it so much more special was seeing the crowd, you know, singing, oh, and waving the arms around. And I think without that, it just wouldn't have had the same impact to me. So I think the choice to, you know, get the rights to this song was a pretty smart move by Tony Khan there, Will. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, uh, I was actually a fan of the original Jurassic Express theme. Um, and so I was originally disappointed to see it go because I, one of the things I'm a big fan of also is original melodies. Uh, and it was a very unique original melody that, uh, I liked for them as performers. 
but uh, I now get the wisdom here. I get exactly why this was chosen and it works and the crowds love it. And it does honestly make Jungle Boy, especially just it, it kind of takes him up a notch and does make him seem a little bit more like a star here. I love it. Uh, I think it's a great pick for a wrestler theme song. Um, I think Luchasaurus, I think still when he wrestles individually uses the original theme. But also he wrestles so little uh, in singles that you hardly ever notice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think also what this song did was open the doors for more real songs to come in. Because soon after Jungle Boy got this, you had Orange Cassidy get Where's My Mind. Right. You had Mox get Wild Thing, you know, versions one and two. Uh, you had Ruby Soho and her song, which we'll talk about later on. So this did kick off the whole licensing real songs for wrestlers thing that they've been doing. And I think that's been a real factor in making AEW stand out from WWE and you know other companies out there, Will. Yeah, I can agree with that. Up next is the theme for another champion here, the AEW Women's Champion, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Another AEW original here. Britt's theme is by the band Downstate. This is called The Epic. So I've never really been a big fan of this theme. Uh, it's not bad, it's fine. Uh, your typical hard rock mixed with the synths to give it a, uh, well as the name goes, an epic feel to it, but there's not much else to really uh, <clears throat> sink your teeth into, shall we say. Um, I do like the turnaround part with the power chords and the whaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaa
uh, it, it's kind of in more so the delivery of it all. And so if you didn't tell me that Downstate did this theme, and of course I've always known Downstate did the theme, but uh, if you didn't tell me that, I don't really see anything that define or that identifies it as a Downstate theme, I guess. Uh, like it really just could be anything. Uh, but again, I do like the synth melody in it, and it has uh, uh, grown on me especially. But yeah, there, there's not a whole lot to it. Um, I'm actually surprised that it is a day one theme song. It is the song that she had uh, to start at uh, at the first Double or Nothing in 2019, and she's had it ever since. Mm-hmm. And I will say, you know, at least it's not an Isaac Yankum theme where it's just nonstop dentist drills. That's a that's oh a big plus there. I God. think. Um, yeah, I was just watching SummerSlam 1995, uh, Brett versus Isaac Yankum, and oh, man. Man, man. man. <laughs> uh, although, you know, I, I remember just how heavily they leaned into the whole she's a dentist thing when Britt was still a face, you know, at the beginning there. It could have happened. She could have had the dentist drill theme uh, because, <laughs> you know, before the heel turn, that was the only thing she had to go on, really, was the dentist stuff. But, you know, thankfully, Britt turned heel and now she's got this, you know, actual personality behind her beyond just being a dentist and. She's a much bigger star now, too. So, you know, her having this epic-style theme, it does at least work for her in that sense, Will. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, and it's funny. That heel turn actually went on a lot longer than people give it credit for. Uh, and that, you know, uh, people kind of look back at one particular moment as as the start of her heel turn, which was the the moment on the Jericho cruise after she beat Gigi Dolan. Um or what was she? Priscilla Kelly. Right? Priscilla That's Kelly, she, yeah. Priscilla Kelly was what she was wrestling at at the time. Uh, and then when she beat her on the Jericho Cruise, you know, and then she cut the promo on um, on Tony Schiavone, you know, people always kind of look at that as like the moment she turned heel. That had been going on for like weeks, right? Like, uh, I want to say it kind of started like after uh, TakeOver, uh, the one where she was in the crowd, uh, War Games, where the following week she was then in the crowd uh at dynamite and uh they had kind of done the mock shot of of her at yeah, i remember Takeover. that yeah yeah and that was during the uh they did it during the commercial break so it was really just for the people who uh who have fight uh but then there was a spot where after the match was over um riho gets jumped by the heels and a bunch of baby faces come out to save her. And then Britt like motions like she's going to get out of the crowd and sits back down. And that was the start of the heel turn. Like that went back to November, but the Jericho Cruise was in January. Like it was actually quite a build to her actually turning heel. Like you could see where they kind of had the, the key turn moment of, all right, we're done with her as a baby face. It's going to work. We're going to move forward with her as a heel. And it really started then. Mm-hmm. And I remember, too, there was a New Year's Day 2020 Dynamite uh, where Britt lost a four-way to Riho and afterwards cut like a heelish promo there. So, yes. yeah, that was the time period where they were, you know, rolling out the heel turn, which um, thank God they did because, you know, she was dead in the water as a face. But they turned her heel and it was one of the best decisions they've ever made, really, because she gets yes. monster reactions now, including face reactions, too. She gets cheered a lot of times. So, yeah, a great decision all around to, you know, pivot to that heel turn for sure, Will. Oh, absolutely. 
And uh, and by the way, uh, you mentioned Downstate earlier. Um, they're still making themes. You know, uh, they made this theme, but also Matt Cardona's new theme, Chelsea Green, uh, Buddy Matthews. So they've carved out a nice little career there for themselves, uh, making these wrestling themes. Um, I haven't heard a single non-wrestling piece of music by them, of course, but <laughs> Me uh, but they've made an impact with these themes over the years. Uh, I think will. Oh yeah, for sure. And because like it, it was interesting that you know when there was that exodus of guys from WWE, it was kind of the go-to, right? Of like, uh, okay, we want the sound that was kind of identifiable with us uh, from the 2010s. Uh, like Cody was, you know, he went and got Kingdom done, which Smoke and Mirrors was uh, a downstate theme. Um, the the last version of it was a downstate theme. Um, and yeah it was like you know let's go with the sound that was most identifiable with us and yeah for uh zach Ryder, of course had a version that was done by downstate as well so uh it made sense definitely yeah moving on now to theme number four and it's for the former tnt champion and the former best man of one kip sabian it's the redeemer miro miro's theme is by mikey ruckus and it's also called Redeemer. Just like how the Redeemer Miro was a massive improvement over Best Man Miro, this theme is a massive improvement over the Best Man theme. I love, love, love this theme. It starts with a shofar horn, and then it builds from there with the war drums kicking in, and then the strings come in, and then the choir. It's so beautiful, really. And the visual I get in my head is the Holy Crusader, who has come to destroy you in the name of his God. And that's exactly what Miro was doing with this Redeemer character. From the pre-tape promos, to the matches, to the entrance music, it's all synced up to convey this guy as this conquering warrior with both physical power behind him and holy power too. So, I consider this to be one of the best themes that Mikey Ruckus has ever done, Will. It's that good. Yeah, uh, I think that... Um, you know, and the funny thing was this change came deep into the Redeemer character that he was still using the best man for months after uh, after the switch. But yeah, once this hit, it, it kind of became clear that this was going to be, um, you know, I, I hate to use the word epic again because it's not only the title of the last song we talked about, but it's the title of another song we're going to be talking about. <laughs> but it really gave uh, an epic feel to who Miro is and really 
kind of gave him this uh, this Olympia. You know, he, he already has a very Olympian-like stature, but it really kind of reminded us of who he is and I think really uh, sells that character. Yeah, and Mikey has said that he and Miro collaborated on this one together, and they were going for a cross between Warrior Beats and the Inception score. And I think the fact that it does go away from the typical rock guitars or synths or hip-hop beats or whatever, and instead goes with the shofar, with the strings and the choir and all that, it does give this song a very heavy cinematic quality to it. Which, I think again, cinematic is the best way to describe that. I agree. Which, again, is a big part of this Redeemer character. When Miro does those pre-tape promos, it's not just him and a camera. There's lighting. There's music. There's editing. The dialogue is quite theatrical. It's cliche to say this, I know, but it does make Miro seem like this larger-than-life figure while still keeping him as a serious, legit threat. It's able to, to ride that line very well there, Will. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, it's very rare for wrestling themes to have that kind of cinematic type score. Uh, and so it even gives this almost like a big budget kind of sound. Uh, I, 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 as a matter of fact, it honestly astonished me. Um, like I know Mikey has talked about, uh, you know, he kind of got into to uh, synth and and, uh, and a whole lot of symphony type themes. Um, and uh when he did um that started to spill over into things he was producing like he even added the strings to to Cody's theme uh and i i think again it is just such a unique sound for pro wrestling because as you mentioned pro wrestling either kind of has two defaults uh either it's rock or it is uh hip hop beats and for this to be what it is, it really does stand out. And it really does give Miro such an identity. Uh, I, I, I am a big fan of uh, the Redeemer theme. And and then honestly, you know, he released the, the collection of the themes as well. And uh, it kind of shows that he also did so much more in putting this together um, that to come up with the edit that he did come up with is, is also pretty astonishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on the AEW Bandcamp. Uh, this EP called God's Favorite Champion that has, uh, like you said, a bunch of alternate versions of this theme. And, and they're all pretty good. Uh, there's one in particular called Baptism that has this woman doing like a, a religious type of chant throughout the song. Like, uh, like it's really cool. And it, it did make me think like if they ever want to give Miro like a big match theme, that's the one. Because somehow it's even more epic and awe-inspiring and cinematic than the normal version is so um yeah check that one out in the band camp for sure yeah um I, th- they do a lot of those band camp type releases where there's stuff in there that uh that people don't even realize 
um, is out there because it's exclusive to the band camp. Like, you know, they did the whole Kenny Omega album uh, that has all the different versions of Battle Cry where you can get the full version, the instrumental version that he came out to at Double or Nothing. Uh, the original Double or Nothing is also there. And also the version, the as they call it, the Dynamite version is also there, which is the version he only uses on Dynamite. Uh, and... I've yet to see that any of that stuff published anywhere else, but literally like check out those Bandcamp releases if you never get to. Yeah. And it's also got the, uh, the Chicago bulls slash running man style intro with the sweepers on there, you know? Yeah, so that, um, that, that's again, well. he's a workhorse. He's always up to something with the music. There is uh it's good old Mikey ruckus. That's for sure. So, mm-hmm. well, before we move on here, let me just say that this episode of music of the mat is brought to you by hello fresh. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes right to your doorstep. No car trips, no long checkout lines at the grocery store. It's just so much easier. You can also save, on average, over $65 a month with HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. So it's money smart, too. There's a veggie option. There's calorie smart, gourmet, family-friendly, whatever you fancy. And, of course, don't forget about dessert with limited-time treats like Dunkaroo's Cookie Dough, or Vanilla Delight Cheesecake. Man, that sounds good. And look, I know for myself, I I am no kitchen wunderkind by any stretch. I need some help when it comes to the more more involved cooking. And with HelloFresh, look, I got the ingredients right there, the portions all there, the recipes. The prep work is low, the cleanup is easy, it's fantastic. So if you're like me and you want to sign up, just go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use the code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. That's the number 1616. Use the code VOW16 and get up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one Meal kit. Okay, our next theme is for another tag team, FTR, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, former AEW tag team champions, uh, current AAA tag champs, and members of the Pinnacle stable as well. FTR's theme is again by Mikey Ruckus, and it's called Dark Side of TR. inspired this song hmm. <laughs> so um, yeah uh <laughs> yeah very obviously inspired by the chase um uh now that said 
I was skeptical with this one at first, too, uh, because, of course, it was released on uh, Bandcamp and uploaded to YouTube and everything before they had ever come out to it. So I was initially uh, like, wait, this is going to be FTR's theme? Now, I was not a fan of the previous theme. Um, I like Matt Coon. Um, I was not a huge fan of that theme, though. Something about it just never really clicked to me. Uh, And when this first hit, I thought... I don't see this one either. But I will say, as they've used it as an entrance, it is it hits. I actually am a fan. Yeah, I, I'm the same way as you, you know, with the backing beat and the keyboard melody on top. Like, it's it's pretty much the chase, just, you know, one-to-one, pretty much. Right. But with that said, like, look, it's still a banger, you know? Like, yep. this song is still pretty damn good. And we talked about... You know, with Miro, the improvement from the Best Man theme to the Redeemer theme, the gulf between the old FTR theme and the new one here is like an ocean, really. Because, yes. like, like this song is as good as the old one was um, not good. So, you know, is it an on-the-nose homage? Yeah, pretty much, sure. But still, it's a pretty good song there, Will. Well, and I'd say it's actually closer to... The cover that Midnight Express used in WCW, I think, is where they used it. Then the original, um, uh, what's the name? Um, Giorgio, Giorgio Moroder. Yeah. Uh, right. The original theme, uh, <laughs> The Chase. It, I feel like it is actually closer to the cover that was used in WCW, in a way. I don't know. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, you know, FTR's whole thing is. They're trying to be the Midnight Express, you know. Like, like Sue Williams had the greatest line ever about FTR. Uh, he said, "FTR is essentially Leva Bates if she liked Crockett instead of comic books." I mean, that <laughs> line is just so killer and on point. Because, yeah, for all their talk about being these, you know, big serious badasses and cool guys, they are just these massive nerds and dorks trying to cosplay as the Midnight's. So. Naturally, they're going to copy the music, too. Um, And if you think about it, before they got this one, they already had an homage to another theme with the Pinnacle theme, which is a throwback to the Horsemen. So I guess it was only a matter of time then before, you know, their own tag team theme became its own homage, Will. Yeah, I can agree with that. And uh, no, I I honestly, I I think this, you know, I'm a big fan of lyrics and theme songs. um, And... This is one of those rare times where you went from a theme with lyrics to a theme without, but I feel like you replaced it with a much better melody um, because, man, do I sometimes just walk through my house going, and like, it's very catchy. Yeah, it's very catchy. And honestly, I suppose I will take a good melody over lyrics every time. Uh, and in this case, yeah, yeah, as you mentioned, it is an ocean of difference. Uh, I this I, I am a big fan of this theme and how well it fits them now. Yeah, I, I am curious about the title though, "Dark Side of TR," because when I hear that, I think "Dark Side of the Ring," of course. Yes. Which, for my viewing, you know, the music in that is also pretty keyboard heavy, but it's also a lot darker and more somber and moody than this one is. So. It's kind of an odd choice of a name in that sense, um, beyond the, just the TR part of it, I guess, there, Will. But uh, but yeah, it's a bit weird to me, I guess. 
I think it was just a play on the fact that Dark Side of the Ring was uh, just on at the time. And then also, uh, you know, you have Dark Side of, but then the FTR is of FTR. I think I think it was poorly titled, but I kind of get what they were going for. Well, I do respect wordplay, so <laughs> yeah. there's that at least, I guess. <laughs> so... Theme number six, and this is for Ruby Soho, the former Ruby Riot in WWE, or Heidi Loveless in the Indies. Ruby debuted at All Out in the Casino Battle Royale, which she won, and her theme song is possibly the most obvious choice of theme song of all time. <laughs> Off the album And Out Come the Wolves, this is Rancid with, what else? Ruby Soho. So when Ruby got released from WWE, uh, she was on a podcast with Lars Fredrickson from Rancid because he's a big wrestling fan, and he gave her permission to use both the name Ruby Soho and the song as well, and you can see her on the video getting choked up about it. So it's a nice, very nice sweet moment there for sure, and, and her debuting it all out with the song and getting the big pop there and the crowd singing along to it, that I think put her debut over the top there, and... Um, and really, you know, look, you, you can't be Ruby Soho with the punk aesthetic and all that and not have the song Ruby Soho. So, uh, thankfully, Lars came through on that end there, Will. I've actually never seen that, but uh, I was going to say that um, she is the rare case where a song isn't named after the wrestler. The wrestler is actually named for the song. Uh, and I, I actually thought that was... Uh, that was actually kind of cool because she had mentioned before that she didn't want to go back to the the Heidi Lovelace name, uh, mainly because people didn't know how to pronounce it. Um, pretty sure I just failed at it. But she, uh, so she was really like stuck on Ruby and to, to be granted Ruby Soho uh, by Lars like that and, and then be granted the song and she kind of built her identity around the song. And, uh, and you know, she's talked about one of the things she mentioned was when she was originally coming to the ring with the song, um, she had a very WWE mindset in her brain of, uh, you know, just kind of focus on your entrance and don't really interact with the music. And then she said it was Brian Danielson who kind of pulled her aside and was like, no, don't do that. Um, he's like, you like this song, right? And she's like, I love the song. It's one of my favorites. And he said to rock out to it, rock out on your way to the ring, to the song, like you love this song. And that's what she's been doing since. And I feel like it's really made her entrance all come together and uh, make her identify with it. Uh, I, it was a great pick and a great choice of song. People recognize it. They sing along with it in crowds. Great choice. 
Mm-hmm. That uh, that Danielson guy is one smart cookie, I think. He's got <laughs> got some good ideas there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I think when it's all said and done, there's so many people. You know, I just interviewed Jade Cargill on uh, on Grab City last week, right? Yeah, and yeah. she dropped the gym that that made all the headlines that she was training with Brian Danielson. It is amazing how much of a mark he's trying to leave on the business right now with so many people, and there's so many people who are are taking from that. And I think when it's all said and done, I think you know what he signed to a three-year deal in AEW. I have a feeling two years from now, everybody will have something to say about having received some sort of inspiration from Brian Danielson. Yeah. This run's just been an absolute pleasure to watch. And now you got the mox angle going and this, you know, potential stable of, you know, serious grapplers, perhaps like it's, it's going to be so much fun to watch where this thing goes. Yeah. But, um, but back to the song here, um, it's very catchy, but that catchiness doesn't really match up with the story of the song, because it's about this punk rocker in love with a girl named Ruby Soho, but their relationship is doomed because he's always on the road. He's singing, and she's there to lend a hand. He's seen his name on the marquee, but she will never understand. Once again, he's leaving, and she's there with a tear in her eye. Embraces with a warm gesture. It's time. Time to say goodbye. Ruby's heart ain't beaten because she knows the feeling is gone. She's not the only one who knew there's something wrong. Her lover's in the distance as she wipes a tear from her eye. Ruby's fading out. She disappears. It's time. Time to say goodbye. Destination unknown. Ruby, 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 Soho. So it's a, a fairly sad story there that is really betrayed by the catchiness of the hook. But, you know, look, that's been the case of so many real song themes over the years. Where oh, yeah. it's all about the chorus, and the entrance doesn't go that long anyway, so it doesn't matter in the end. I think that's the case here too, Will. Yeah, I agree with that. I think ultimately people just like the hook and uh, <laughs> love to go uh, Ruby, 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 Soho, uh, and ultimately aren't even paying attention to the lyrics. Uh, I, I will say... One of my biggest disappointments in her entrance is the fact that it just starts with the chorus. I think that uh, if it were me personally, I would have her use the whole theme or at least keep the opening notes and then um, jump into the chorus, mainly because I feel like it needs a buildup. Um, I, I feel like just dropping people into Destination Unknown uh, doesn't give them time to, to get ready for the sing-along. Uh, and I would like to see at least the intro added to it. Yeah, that happens a lot in wrestling where you got the intro at the beginning, but uh, maybe after a few entrances it gets cut off, which uh, is true for the next theme, I think. But, um, I mean, TV runtimes are a big part of that, I think. So, you know, if you got to cut a few intros out to properly fit the runtime, you know, it, it is what it is, unfortunately, so... Up next is the theme for Andrade El Idolo, the man currently obsessed with that little kid Darby Allen who works for Mr. Stink. Uh, <laughs> Andrade debuted in AEW last summer after Double or Nothing. His theme is by Mikey Ruckus, and it's called Kill the Messenger.
So, I'd say that Andrade's time in AEW has been rather hit or miss, but make no mistake, this is a hit. This song rules. I love the prelude, where it has the dramatic build-up, and the mariachi music kicks in, and it has all this energy and pizzazz. Um, there's the Carlos Santana guitar solos in there too, which are just awesome. This is a big-time theme that just oozes cool and badass, and it's a shame that Andrade doesn't wrestle more often in AEW because, you know, I want to hear this theme more. It's a pretty great theme, Will. I love this theme. Um, I I have to say that I like the epic intro, but I recognize why it's not used on television, uh, why they cut it short. I think they used it the one time because I was at... Um, what show was that? Uh, Road Rager. Yeah, Road yeah. Rager in Miami, and he did have the full version, and then uh, he's come out to a shorter one since. Um, I get it. Yeah, it's a little too long. But this is such a unique-sounding theme, and you mentioned the Carlos Santana-style guitar. Um, that is such a signature sound, and a sound that pretty much everybody knows that the second you hear it, you're like, oh, okay, it's supposed to be Carlos Santana. But it's amazing how it hasn't had a presence in pro wrestling before this. And so to me, I love what this theme added to who Andrade is and uh, and how much energy it brings to the building. This is one of, I think, the best original themes to come out in 2021. Uh, I was just a really big fan of this one. And I, I love how much identity it gives Andrade. Mm -hmm. And I know it's hard not to be reminded of his WWE theme because they are of similar ilk with the Latin music, but there is, I think, a difference in the type of mood they're going for. Cause when well, I, when it's a I hear, totally different type of energy. Yeah, because when I hear the WWE theme, I think of like a soccer stadium and that kind of atmosphere. This one, to me, gives off a lot more class and more of a heightened status to it. And, and quoting Mikey again here... He said, Imagine Mil Mascaris stepping off a plane in Mexico to a parade. Classical guitars, horns, marching drums, fans clapping. And that's a pretty good descriptor, I'd say, uh, especially since Andrade's whole gimmick is that, you know, he's supposed to be this super rich guy who thinks he can just, you know, buy anything he wants. So, of course, his theme will also be very self-aggrandizing like that. So, yeah, there is, I think, a, a notably different energy between this and the WWE theme, Will. Yeah, I agree with that. It's a totally different energy. But again, uh, I was shocked at how well it captured his personality the moment it hit. I'm a big fan of this theme. Mm -hmm. And the entrance, too. I mean, he comes out with the full suit on and the gloves. And the mask. Uh, the black mask. Yeah. He's got Jose the assistant with him. The whole thing just screams, I'm the boss. No one can touch me. And, again, I want him to wrestle more because it's such a damn cool entrance. But, you know, look, he's too busy trying to buy Darby Allen, I suppose. So <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I have to say, I am such a big fan of Andrade as a whole. Um, you know... It's, it is pretty amazing how when WWE didn't want Andrade talking uh, and because his English wasn't so great. And so they paired him with Selena Vega and all that. And then when Selena was when they wanted her to go solo, it was like, well, then we don't have anything to do for Andrade because in WWE, everybody has to talk. And then he comes over to AEW and at first they pair him with Vicky Guerrero. And it was like, oh, this is not a good pairing at all. Um, 
And then, of course, then they swap her out for Chavo Guerrero. And Chavo was fine. But uh, I'm glad somebody realized, I don't know who, that here's the thing. Andrade talks just fine. The thing Andrade struggled with was memorizing scripts. But Andrade, if you're just giving him pointers and just, you know, he's just talking, but he's talking from his heart and not from memory, um, he speaks just fine. Uh, It's not completely clear English, but not everybody's English is. And I love the fact that he is just getting to talk. He is just getting to be just himself. And it's kept short and sweet, but it's so great. Uh, like every time Andrade talks, I am, I, I pop, you know, I, I <laughs> tell Tony Schiavone, um, you know, he wants Darby Allen, uh, the guy who works for Sting. And the little like, kid who works for Mr. Work. Stink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's like, he, well, he doesn't work for Sting. Uh, how you know? Uh, <laughs> so good. Yeah. I, so good. It, I, I love how he doesn't understand how friendships work. Because he's a businessman, he only knows money. So it was like yeah. with Death Triangle, he's like, you know, Penta, Phoenix, why do you work for Pac? And they're like, we don't work for him, we're a team, he's our friend. Okay, but but why do you work for him? Like, c- come work for me, it'll be a lot cooler. <laughs> right, because like Jose, the assistant, like, is works for him. Like, he doesn't yeah. understand that you can have friends, that everything's a business relationship. I love it. That is such, there's so much depth there that... <laughs> There's so many things you can explore with that. I'm such a big fan of the current Andrade character and the things they're doing with him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Theme number eight, and it's for the current and two-time TNT champion, the Spanish god Sammy Guevara. Uh, Sammy, like Jungle Boy, Darby Allen, and MGF, is considered to be one of the pillars of AEW. He's also a member of the Inner Circle. Uh, his theme is by Montezzi. And uh, some guy named Will Washington, does that name ring a bell at all? He, he sounds like a dork to me. I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but Sammy's theme is called Take Flight. Sammy Guevara. Yeah. This is my moment to shine. This is my time for flight. I've been grinding forever just for this very night. I've been pushing for many moments like this. This time is undervalued and no one ever could miss. This is my chance, moment of bliss. My feelings so attended. Many could understand it. These skills out of the planet. Be careful of my philanthropy. The future is mine. Taking it all by design. Knowing so much on the line. Guevara. Send me Guevara. It's my time just to take flight. Put it on the line. All in the same night. Hustle my way to the top. They get this moment, this future. No doubt we own it. The future is mine. On the line. Send me Guevara, it's my time just to take flight Put it all on the line in the same night Hustle my way just to get this moment There is no doubt that we own it, the future is mine I got so much on the line This is my moment to shine, this is my time for flight I've been grinding forever just for this very night I've been pushing for many moments So this is a first, uh, I have never talked about a theme With someone who helped make that theme So, uh, well, I'll give you the floor here uh, what was the process like uh, making this theme with Montezzi? So the process, so basically my involvement came about when most of the theme was already completed. Um, and so basically where it came from was uh, 
Montezzi had reached out to Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara already had a theme made by Mikey Ruckus. Montezzi had, had been doing themes kind of all across the Indies, and he was ready to get a theme on television. So he reached out to Sammy Guevara and told Sammy he could make him a theme song. Um, and Sammy was like, okay, sure. And I don't even think Sammy was really taking it all that seriously, but he wanted. Uh, but he he's going to give it a chance. And so Montezzi gets the theme done. And um, he sends it over to Sammy Guevara. Sammy lets Cody hear it. Cody is like, you need to use this as your theme song. But there's a couple of things that need some tweaking. Um, And a couple of things we need fixed. And luckily, audio engineering is my expertise. (laughs) And so uh, Montezzi hits me up um, on a... uh, Man, you want to talk about short notice. If I told you when I was hit up for this. Okay, actually, I'm going to tell you. Uh, I'm going to pull up my calendar. So, the first episode of Dynamite aired on October 2nd, 2019. Right? Uh, I was messaged by Montezzi on September 24th, 2019. Hey, I've got this theme song that I am working on for Sammy Guevara, uh, and they want to use it on the first episode of Dynamite for his announced match with Cody. Uh, but there's a couple of things that uh, Cody wants to see changed in the song. Um, can you help me with that? And so I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And so we get the money together to to go into the studio and, and fix it. And... Uh, we were able to submit the song by the time we got it all done. <laughs> it was like September 30th and like two days before Dynamite. I wasn't even sure they were going to use it. I thought, honestly, I thought too short a notice. He's going to come out to the Mikey Ruckus theme. I just know it. And I lost it when Dynamite opened and they played the opening video. They, they played the, the theme song. And then they did a video package for Sammy and Cody. And then all of a sudden they hear Sammy Guevara. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God, they used the theme. They're using the fucking theme. <laughs> and I was so, I just, I was over the moon about that. And uh, yeah, that was, that's the first time I've had anything I worked on musically used on television. And uh, I was, yeah, Montezzi and I have just high-fived about it. Uh, we got plaques for the song because uh, Spotify sends out uh, a plaque for um, plays. And this one reached, this one's reached a million plays on Spotify. Wow. So uh, uh, that's, that's a big one. And yeah, it's been, it's, it's been wild. And uh, again, just every time I hear it, I just think about, um, the fact that this was such a last minute thing that came together and we were able to do it and I'm really happy. That's a great story, man. That is that is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I remember at that first Double or Nothing, Sammy had that first theme that was a remake of his indie theme, I Am Jesus, uh, which mm-hmm. is a rock song. And then at the first Dynamite, he had this one, which is a rap song. So it's, it's kind of a clean break from his indie run to his AEW run, and uh, it's got that that loosey goosey flow to it as well, which I think you know matches Sammy's persona uh, pretty well too. And, um, and and lyrically, it's your standard stuff. 
this is my moment to shine, this is my chance, the future is mine, I've been grinding forever, etc., etc. But I think the whole take flight concept, that is so perfect for Sammy because that man can fly. I mean, yes, that, that cutter off the ladder against Cody oh my is God. one of the damnedest things I've ever seen in my life. All-time great He spot. hit that with perfection. Yes. So, yeah, it's a good choice to have that kind of take flight motif uh, be the centerpiece of the song there, Will. I agree. And, yeah, I, I um, again, like I said, I have a huge attachment to this song because I, I got to hear it before. And, and Montesi didn't know either. Montesi was not sure it was actually going to be used. Uh, and so when it hit, we were like, we both were just like, oh my God, it's on television. The song's on TV. You know, Montezzi's done a ton of themes. He's got themes all over Ring of Honor, things like that. But for the TNT debut, for one of the first songs that was played on TNT, for it to be this, uh, I, I can't be happier. And then he joined the inner circle right after. So it was like, you know, my thought going into it was, that, you know, it's kind of what Sammy said in his promo last week that he was like, I was hired to be a supporting player and look at me now, I'm the TNT champion. That's what I thought Sammy Guevara was going to be. So I was never under the impression that this was going to be a theme song for anybody that was going to be kind of a top player in AEW. And the moment that tonight that he joined the inner circle, I thought, oh my God, we're going to hear a lot more of this. This isn't just, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of saw what Kip Sabian's trajectory has kind of been. That's kind of what I saw for Sammy Guevara. I had no idea he was going to end up being uh, who he is, let alone the TNT champion. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good fit for where Sammy is in his career, too, where he's on the come up. He's got his first taste of of stardom and the spotlight and his first few championship runs to the TNT title and, and beating guys like Cody and Miro and, and just, you know, getting really over with the fans, too. Like last year yeah. with that pinnacle feud... You know, his stock with the fans just soared right up there. So, yeah, lately he really has been, you know, taking flight, so to speak, into that next stage of his career. And, you know, eventually, sooner or later, he might get a new theme, which, you know, I hope you're prepared for that heartbreak. But <laughs> but, but for right now, I think this is a good theme for Sammy and, and where he's at in his career there, Will. I can't say much about that, but I will say oh. that... There's stuff in the works, and I see, and the same people are involved. Hmm. Well, then hmm. we shall uh, keep that scoop under our hats. Then, so <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So, um, our second to last theme here, and uh, we just had the TNT champion. Well, this is the TBS champion, Jade Cargill. Uh, Jade became the inaugural TBS champ on the TBS debut of Dynamite on January 5th. And uh, she's actually been undefeated since her first match back in March of last year. Jade's theme is by Nick Goldston, featuring Chris Stone Ingram on guitar. We had The Epic earlier with Britt Baker. Well, this is just called Epic. A storm (laughs) is coming.
so if we're picking between Epic and The Epic, I'm going with Epic every single time. Me too. This, yeah. this is a gem for sure. And, and it's not that complex either. It's a mix of bluesy guitar, hip-hop beats, and storm sound effects. And that's it. And it sounds pretty damn awesome. Like, it sounds, you know, epic as the name goes. And the ending where it's just the guitar, the piano, and the rain coming down, that is mwah, tremendous. So, yeah, sorry, Britt Baker, I love you, but this is my pick for sure, Will. Yeah, uh, same. I think that, uh, yeah, it's basically a really standard trap beat, but it's the, the um, I think, the guitar that really makes it. Um, uh, when, that, when Chris Stone's guitars really come in, I feel it. And I, it really makes us feel like there is a, uh, an, an epic wrestler hitting the stage. And then, you know, and I love the fact that it hits right as her pyro does as well, because I think she's got some of the best pyro also at AEW and that it's so quick, but um, explosive. And when the, just the whole combination of everything with her entrance and and yeah, we have the the, the storm sounds and uh and then the the visual with it from her Tron, like everything about her entrance to me feels very well crafted. And I think that this theme song is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole storm motif is so on point because she is inspired by the X-Men character Storm. And she does look like Storm with the white hair too. But even without that, she's still presented as this completely dominant force of nature who just beats everyone. She's undefeated. So... The opening stinger of A Storm is Coming, that's not just a Marvel reference. That plays into how she's been presented and booked, too. So, uh, yeah, a good choice there for sure. Yeah, she's coming and she's about to come kick the, the crap out of somebody. And I'm, uh, I, I felt, because she had this entrance. This has been a day one entrance. This is something that got modified over time. This was, she showed up with this entrance. It first debuted in the Shaq match. And uh, it was clear that a lot of prep work was done uh, in making sure she was ready for her first performance. Yeah, it's a great entrance, definitely. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how easy it is to make someone look and feel like a star. And that's been Jade's case since, like, day one, pretty much, you know. Like, is she still a bit rough in the ring at times? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. But she is a star look. She's got star presence. She's got star confidence, she's got a star entrance, and she's booked like a star who just dominates over everyone. Like, she's already checked so many boxes. And you mentioned the Grapsy interview with her and her bringing up Danielson. If she can keep progressing in the ring under his tutelage, look out. She's going to run the shop. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her, you know, uh, develop further as the years go by there, Will. Yeah, and I mean, and she's already shown those flashes. I think the match with Anna Jay was like genuinely good. Oh yeah, that um, was a good match. Yeah, yeah. So it, it is pretty impressive that um, she's already had those flashes. I also think the first match with uh, uh, the first singles match he had, it was very short, but the first singles match he had with uh, with Red Velvet was also good. And so like she has these flashes, and it's it's good that it's happening with the people that she kind of trains with, like other Nightmare Factory people. Um, and uh, it's very clear that they're able to kind of put together a little bit something stronger because uh, they, they come from that same school of thought. Uh, but no, I, I am a big fan of Jade Cargill as a whole. Um, I, I kind of love the idea of 
uh, a truly homegrown star, which is interesting because she talked about on the Talk is Jericho interview that, you know, she was offered a WWE deal uh, and she was like almost there. And she only turned it down because they wanted her to move to Orlando, which she wasn't going to do. And she, they also wanted her to give up her uh, endorsement deals. Uh, you know, if you follow her on Instagram, you know, she's basically um, a, a pitch person for uh <laughs> for pretty much everything followed by uh used my discount code and so um we know jay does a lot of that kind of stuff and wwe wanted her to give all of that up in addition to uh moving to orlando and signing and if that didn't work out you know who knew but uh it, i i just love seeing all this come together and she really does feel like a, a star in every way mm-hmm. yeah she absolutely made the right choice with aew that's we can all agree on that. I think that that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and you called it, by the way, when they introduced that TBS title a few months ago. Uh, you <laughs> tweeted out like, you know, that belt has just one name on it, and it's Jade Cargill's. That's her belt. Yeah. And you know what? You were right. You yeah. got it. <laughs> I know. Well, I will say that there was there's method to that madness, right? Because I because uh, I had the thought initially of. Um, because I had said beforehand, before there was ever a title announced, I looked at the rankings one day and I saw, you know, Jade's completely undefeated. She's got all of these wins on her record. And I thought, how do you keep her undefeated without making her women's champion? You almost have to find a way to get her out of the rankings. And how would you do that? Uh, because uh, unless you make another title just for her, but otherwise, like you can't keep her undefeated and have the logic of what wins and losses matter. And then uh, the number one contender, it has the most wins. Number one contender faces the world champion and would ultimately have to beat the world champion in order to remain undefeated. Like there was so much logic there that I'm like, okay, there has to be something else for Jade or she needs to beat Britt Baker like tomorrow. And I don't think she's ready for that. So something else has to occur. And then when they, when the rumor first popped up, when Andrew Zarian was first like uh, TBS title is coming, that was when I tweeted that belt's for Jade. And beca- and I said that because I had already been thinking about how do you get Jade out of the rankings? Because uh, otherwise she'll always be the number one ranked contender and you have to get her away from them so that Brit can have other opponents. And now she is. And now you can do open challenges with Jade. Jade is not a ranked competitor any longer. And Brit can continue to take on other challengers. Mm-hmm. And eventually, if you want to make someone, you can have them give Jade her first loss and, and take her belt and break the streak. So, yeah, that's a that's a great ready-made story there, too, for you. Yeah, uh, a fantastic story. Somebody uh, and, and that could go to anybody to, and it will make them. It'll be a huge deal when it does. Exactly. Yep. So the final theme of the episode here, and uh, we've saved the biggest name for last because it's time to send Hook. Yes, the cold-hearted, handsome devil himself, the son of Taz. We all know him. We all love him. He's the best. He is Hook. And Hook's theme is by Action Bronson off the album Blue Chips 7000. This is The Chairman's Intent. Shit, you ain't happy. 
did last summer But motherfuckers forget Till I'm back up on the set and every motherfucking jump shot wet Same outfit every day like a cartoon Uh, they'll never find you in a shark suit And there will never be a part two Shit, you're looking at some motherfucking art, boo So Hook first showed up in December of 2020, and for a full year, he was a meme. He was Taz's cool, mysterious, hunky son that everybody fawned over. And the thought in all of our heads was, please God, let him be good in the ring. Because if he's not, it's going to be a major letdown. And finally, we had the debut match with Fuego del Sol. And it was, like, the biggest Denzel sigh of relief gif of all time. Because he's not just good, he's really good. Like, Hook rules. He comes out, he says nothing, he's smooth in the ring, he barely sells, he throws guys around, he chokes them out, and then he leaps. And, oh yeah, he's got an action Bronson song for a theme, too. Like, he could not be any cooler, and I'm so glad... We're living in a timeline where Hook is just the best, Will. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, I was surprised uh, because I wanted him to be good. But also, to me, he was just like that guy at the episode, at the end of the Simpsons episode, the, um, the uh, what was it? The pretzel wagon one uh, where they got... The little uh, guy where, hasn't done anything yet. <laughs> yeah, the little guy hasn't done anything yet. Right, and... So that's what he was to me for the longest time of like, he hasn't done anything, but he's going to do something. I just know it. And like, it was a meme. Uh, but the idea that he hadn't done anything was also very funny <laughs> because it's like when he does something, you just know it's going to be great. But like, we were all kind of saying that in jest. We didn't know that it was actually going to be great. And if it did, I almost wanted it to be like a Simpsons thing where like nobody saw it. But <laughs> uh but, like, everybody just got their asses kicked. They were just all laid out. But then we look up and, like, Hook had just done it. But it turned out that he actually was great. And that was the... That... When a meme like that can deliver, and then all of a sudden now we're into a whole new phase of this guy. Uh, that... That is something. Because we've had meme wrestlers for a long time. Uh, and... Uh... You know, where it was like, it's like thinking about like Fandango, right? Where, you know, for a week, everybody was loving the Fandango. Yep. 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 But that wore off very fast. And then we were done with it and we threw him away and he was never at that level again. Um, And it's amazing that Hook was able to take that and parlay it into being actually good and now that we know that he's actually good he had the fans who were chanting we want hook and all of that have now stuck with him and um he you know he debuted against another meme wrestler right it was him against uh fuego del sol and half the crowd was kind of split right they were mostly into fuego as like you know the ha 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 we love fuego kind of thing and then when hook turned out to actually be great he turned that whole crowd around to the point of where they were no longer on the side of Fuego at all. I was like, oh, wait, this guy actually kicks ass. Not in like an ironic way where like we want this loser to win. Like he's actually fucking great. And so 
that was uh, just amazing. And for him to, uh, and then to do it with the action Bronson theme. Uh, that was not something I was expecting. When that hit, it was like, this just was really cool because it, it felt like uh, just a genuine hip hop theme was being used in pro wrestling. And we don't see that very often at all. But it's also a good entrance theme with a good epic intro. Uh, we've used that word a lot here, epic. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm a big fan of the way he just kind of saunters down to the ring um, with his just this badass look on his face with theme playing behind him. It's very boxing-esque. And uh, I'm a big fan of, of just the whole presentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. The entrance is fantastic because the lights go out. You see the name Hook on the video screen. That's it. And then the song kicks in. And the juxtaposition of Action Bronson angrily spitting hot fire while Hook just casually walks out, nonplussed, hair askew, stone-faced. That is the essence of Hook right there. He does not betray that killer that is inside him, which is whether the refrain, you don't even know me, is so appropriate, I think. We, we don't know Hook, really. All we know is he's Taz's son, he loves chips, and he loves beating people up. That's about it, really. And we're just now seeing, you know, what he can do in the ring, too. So there's still a lot of that mystique left in Hook. And I think this song isn't just a cool song, it helps convey that mystique as well, Will. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the hook has been sent, and uh, they got to play it smart with him, but it's it's coming along very well. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. I don't know if you noticed this or not. It took me a few matches to do so, but when Hook wins a match with Red Rum, the Katahajime, he doesn't let go of the hold until the beat of the song kicks in. I have not noticed that, but now I have to, I've not noticed that at all. Uh, but now I have to. Yeah, he keeps it on for like an extra five seconds. Then the beat kicks in, he lets go, and he just walks off to the back. And that, again, showing off the killer instinct there that he's going to, you know, choke you out a little bit more there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And, yeah, I mean, look, in all seriousness, you know, I, I do love Hook. I do. And I'm so excited to see his progression moving forward because if he's this good now with like four matches under his belt or whatever, I can't wait to see him in like a year or two. And the fact that Taz is there to call his matches like a proud dad, that's a a, a nice wholesome cherry on top there, Will. Yeah, uh, I love it. I, I recognize that that's probably the only reason he just only competes on Rampage. <laughs> Because uh, at first I was like, maybe he's not ready for live television. But then they did the live episode of Rampage, and he did it. Uh, he worked that episode. So uh, I think it really is just a thing of like keeping Taz calling his matches. Um, and also, it's going to be a big deal when he uh, finally has his first uh, Dynamite match. Yeah, hopefully they bring out Taz to call that one, which uh, I think they will because, you know, he calls the other Team Taz guys matches on Dynamite too. So, yeah. you know, I think it's a safe bet. Yeah. Um all right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, Will, thank you so much for being here. I love this episode so much, and you just hit a grand slam your first time out. And uh, I know you're also pretty busy with your uh, 80 podcasts or whatever, so <laughs> I appreciate you making the time as well. So thanks so much. Hey, thank you for having me. I, I've, I've actually wanted to do this show for a while, so I'm uh, happy that I finally got to do this with you. 
Oh, you're welcome. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. Um, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Uh, sure. I'm, I host Grapsity. I'm with Phil Lindsay and Richard Spredge. We do the show every Saturday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We're at youtube.com slash Fightful. Uh, and then you can also find it on my social media. It airs there. Uh, my Twitter handle is William RBR, uh, which is also my Instagram. And uh, I also host uh, Day After Dynamite, aka Dad. Uh, that's on the Fightful Overbooked channel on YouTube, youtube.com slash Fightful Overbooked. I host that every Thursday at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, um, right around the time that the ratings come out. And it's kind of a show that just looks at uh, kind of everything at Dynamite and then the Fallout. And so, yeah, you can find that as well. Those are the places that I exist. All right, cool. And Music of the Mat is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord for any discussions. Uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Donate for any donations. Uh, just click the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Met. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And once again, HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use the code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Will, thank you again, and I'll see you around. All right, thanks. All right, for Will Washington, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.